This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nations Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Edwin Bajomo with the Word of God. We've been looking at the subject in January. We are family. Let us be family. And we are continuing with that subject this month of February. And as a church, we're a community of God's people. Just take time around now. Just look around you. You'll find that there are people from different nations, different races, different tribes. But under God, we are one. We are family. And the beauty is this, that when we look at that sermon team, that we are family. It says something that let us, we are family. Let us what? Be a family. For me, that is telling me that that first assertion is there. We are family. That's, that's the baseline. But the second statement, second part of the statement says, let us be family. So one can come to the conclusion that, is that an encouragement? Encouraging us to be a family? Or is it a challenge to us that maybe there's some abnormalities, you know, like things are not right within our family relationships so that we fix it. But for me, I think I want to see it as an encouragement, as an expectation. I believe God expects us to function, to relate to one another as family. And so when you look to your right, to your left this morning, you're saying to yourself, that brother, that sister sitting beside me, that brother behind me is my family. Now, we've heard so much preach so far in January. I want us to do a quick exercise, please. If, you, if you've got your phone, please type in menti.com menti.com and there you will see a question for you to answer what type of church family will you like to see let's make it a little bit interactive i've got about 30 seconds to do this what type of church family will you like to see what church family will you like to see oh great closely knitted loving family anointed family United family, praying family. What else? Have you got more? Five seconds more. People say unity, creative, proactive, adventurous. Wow, what a family. Okay, let's stop now. Let's move on. Let's let just move on. I want, us, I want us to look at a church. I want, I'm going to read some things about this church for us. But before I do that, I would like to say this. You all have given your views, what type of family you would like to see. Church family you would like to see. But for me, the church family I would like to see is the extraordinary church family. And that's what God has laid on my heart to share with us today, that we are family. Let us be an extraordinary ordinary family and most of the things people have listed i think can be encapsulated in being an extraordinary family we are not just an ordinary family let's aim to be what an extraordinary family now let me describe a church for us this church is the church of god is sanctified in jesus christ is called to be god's only people have grace of god given to them in christ jesus and not only that, the Bible says that in Jesus Christ, they are enriching every kind of speech and with all knowledge. What a church. 
And the church does not lack any spiritual gift. The church does not lack any spiritual gift. Question, is this church an extraordinary church? Yes or no? Use your menti.com again. Yes or no? Is this church that I've just described, that is sanctified, full of grace, full of wisdom, full of speeches, knowledge? Okay, let's move on. Some of you may say yes. Some of you may say no. But what I would say is this. Let's continue. If you've got your Bible, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The church I've just described is the Corinthian church that I was asking whether they're an extraordinary church. Verse 1 says, And I, brothers and sisters, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but only as fleshly, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to consume it. But even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like ordinary people? For when one person says, I am with Paul, and another, I am with Apollos, are you not ordinary people? Verse 5. When then is Apollos? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are one, but each will receive their, his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, initially that church that was described was the Corinthian church. Like I said, they were sanctified. They, they were full of knowledge and speech. They, they never lacked any of the spiritual gifts. But yet, Paul made them to understand that they are an ordinary church family because they were allowing the flesh to, man, to manifest and be displayed amongst them. They were spiritually immature, and that displayed in their actions. And so Paul concluded that this church is an ordinary church, not an extraordinary church. You see, Paul founded this church in Corinth. And I want to say this so that you understand this church. Corinth was like the center of trade and commerce in his days and also a Roman colony. So you have lots of Roman soldiers coming there to patch. But not only that, it was a multiracial society. You have the Jews, you have the Greeks, you have the analytic Jews who are half Greek, half Jews. All these people are there. And some of them also, there were multiplicity of religion going on in that city. But some of them were saved and all these people came to church. The church was a large church. So it was a multiracial church, just like us, all nations. But something happened there. There were issues with that church. And so the first thing I would like to address is this. What are the factors that stops a church from being an extraordinary church family? What are the things that we see using the Corinthian church as a case study that we need to guard against? Number one, fleshiness. They were ordinary people. 
Paul made us to understand that they were acting like ordinary people. That these people who have not known Christ. They had lots of baggages like this man. Grievances, bitterness, enmity, all of that. They had jealousy amongst them. And jealousy is like sometimes you feel hostility towards somebody that you think life is better for them than you. You jealous somebody then, oh, they have something I don't have. This were the crazy things going on in this church. Unfortunately, they didn't let it end at jealousy. They now move to the next degree of strife, which is a, a bitter conflict. Why? They were supposed to be church family. Why jealousy? Why strife? Many of us in our even natural family, we've seen what jealousy and strife has done to destroy that family. And so we need to guard against things like this. We don't need to jealous one another. We are family. It was Elder Sergi who coined this phrase. Success is sweeter together. If it's good for you, it's good for me. If your kid does well, I do well. If you are blessed, I am blessed. Because I know you will. it will trickle down to me somehow. They call it trickle-down blessing. But not, this was what was happening in the Corinthian church. Not only was there fleshiness, people demonstrating carnal behavior, there was cliques and division. How can a church be extraordinary if there are cliques and division? And unfortunately, these people are wonderful. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 4 of the text we read. For when one person says, I am with Paul, and another, I am with Apollos, now, for some of us, we may not know who Apollo is. Apollo was a colleague of Paul. If you read Acts 18, it was mentioned there. Paul invited him to come and engage with the Stoics, people with intellectual mind. He was a professor, according to Bible Expert, of, um, in University of Alexandria. So this man was eloquent. He was, I mean, very analytical. He could divide the word of God. All of a sudden, people started exalting him. People started exalting Paul. And it's so sad because division, we're not meant to be divided. So we need to check ourselves. If we want to be an extraordinary job, are there cliques and division? And is that division making it that people are against each other? This was what was happening in this church that was full of the Holy Spirit and gifts and everything. Not only was there fleshiness, cliques, there was contention. People started fighting. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. For I, have, for I have been informed concerning you, my brothers and sisters, by close people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean that each one of you saying, I am with Peter, I am with Paul, I am with Apollos, I am with Cephas, which is Peter, I am with Christ. Has Christ been divided? So this was the crazy thing that was going on in this church. People were saying, I am for that pastor. I am for this pastor. I am for that leader. And they were now quarreling with one another. There was, it's like political parties fighting against one another in the church. And that's why Paul called it that they are behaving like ordinary people. Not only that. They had issues with resolving conflicts. Can I say this? When I talk about being an extraordinary church, I'm not saying that we should be a perfect church. Nobody's perfect. That means there will be conflicts. But we must come to the place of learning how to resolve conflicts. Listen to what Paul said. Does any one of you, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Who do you take your case to? 
the unrighteous or before the saints. But then if you read further to verse 4, he says, so if you have if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judge who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. I say this to your shame that because of conflicts, we are not resolving conflicts properly that to the extent that people were taking each other to court. And if you read further, I don't want to bug you down. He said, isn't there anybody wise within the fellowship that can resolve this conflict? It's all about conflict resolution. We must come to the place where when we have conflict, it doesn't need to lead to bitterness and anger and even walking away from the church. I say that to those online as well. We must come to a place of learning to resolve conflict like wise people. And finally, there are lots of things that was going on with this church, but I just picked five. Exercising of rights. Exercising of rights. It was Bob Miley who says what? Stand up, stand up. Stand up for your right. That's not spiritual. Even children of today, we say, dad is my right. Mom is my right. My right, my right, my right. You see, sometimes when it comes to Christendom, when it comes to family relationships, sometimes you have to forego your rights. Hallelujah. Let me read this to you. First Corinthians 8, 11. For through your knowledge, the one who is weak is ruined. The brother or sister for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brother and sister and wounding their conscience when it, it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again. So that I will not cause my brother to sin. Now, this is the context. Remember I said there were lots of religion going on in Corinth. There were those who believed before they became believers that the food they ate was dedicated to idols. And so when they came to Christendom and they saw people eating those meat, their conscience were pricked because they were still weak in faith. And Paul was saying to the strong Christian, look, you are right. They believe that there is no other God but one God. So they will eat anything. But think about the other people. When exercising your right, your knowledge, think about the welfare of that person. Remember Christ died for them. And so let's be careful how we exercise our right because it can impact on us becoming what an extraordinary church so fleshiness clicks contentions conflicts and exercise of rights were issues and so what are the dangers of this thing if we're in this ordinary zone we become a dysfunctional church the corinthian church was dysfunctional not only that disunity flows because the paul's group are not talking to apollo's group the Cephas group, Peter's group, are not talking to Apollo's group, or and they are all coming to church. Just imagine. Let's let's just superimpose ourselves to such a church that on Sunday now, this group here, Apollo's group, this group here, Peter's group, and they are not talking to each other. And the preacher is standing preaching love. We are family. But then we may laugh at that church. Are we coming with the same mentality? Are we coming with the same mentality? There's disunity. There is competition. Who's going to have the upper hand? The Apollos group or the Paul's group? There is passionate quarreling. Passionate, you know, there's different between quarrels and passionate quarreling. Now, that picture you can see there about passionate quarreling it was from the internet. What happened was that the pastor was preaching and he told two best friends, he said, one of them is the cause of your problem. And she just stood up and started whacking the lady. 
in church, big church, quarreling. But for me, the one that really pricks my heart is that we become bad example or bad ambassadors of Christ. Paul told the Corinthian church that they are ambassadors of Christ. Just imagine what picture we are sending out to people around that we are dysfunctional, we are, we are disunited, you know, no unity amongst us, we are quarreling. Does that send the message of love of Christ? And the answer is no. So let's think about these things. So now let's come to what I would call the characteristics of an extraordinary church family, because that's my desire for us. And I believe that's God's desire. The first thing we need is this, love. We've heard it during the breaking of bread, how love is important. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. If I speak with tongues of mankind and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Clanging cymbal is what the drummer, that's who we are without love. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Remember, this was a church that had all these gifts. And Paul was now shocking them because they thought that ah, we are anointed, we are gifted. Like somebody said, we want an anointed church family. Yes, but beyond the anointing, something needs to be there. Love. Verse 3, and if I give all away all my possessions to charity, and if I surrender my body so that I may glory, but do not have love, it does me no good. So what type of love was Paul talking about? If you read that chapter 4, they say, love is patient. Love is kind. We need to be kind to one another. Love is not jealous. Like I said, if you're doing well, I thank God because I know my turn will come. It does not brag. It does not show up. It's not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. Those church, the church, they were acting disgracefully when they were fighting one another. It does not seek its own benefit. My right, my right. It seeks the benefit of others. It is not provoked. I think some versions say easily provoked. Whether you are easily provoked or you are provoked, self-control is needed. Because we are humans. Even in families, we will say things and do things that may prick us. But we don't need to provoke. Hallelujah. Does not keep an account of wrongs suffered. Brother Jacob, you offended me in 2007. It was at Vauxhall Junction there. The song was bright. And this is 2024. You are still carrying what Brother Jacob did. It may be funny. I say a story to let us understand that some of us are still carrying wrong suffered to us. And we need to come to the place of letting go. That was what Paul was using to encourage this church that look, guys, let's move on. We are family. We want to be an extraordinary family, not an ordinary family. So please let go. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love loves truth. For some of us, people have come with us with falsehood. And unfortunately, we have perpetuated it. We've carried out falsehood without trying to find out the truth. We've carried falsehood about people. May God help us. 
It keeps every confidence. Hallelujah. When people share things with you as a family member, they don't want you putting it on social media. It believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The next one, the characteristics you will see in an extraordinary church is this. Family mindset, one body mindset. When I was growing up, there was a family, I know I won't mention their name. If you offend one of them, they will all come against you. Father, mother, and six siblings, making seven of them plus mother. They believe in family mindset. They got each other's back. And Paul was trying to make the church in Corinth understand that, look, for just as the body is one and yet many parts. This is 1 Corinthians from verse 12, verse 12. All parts of the body, though they are many, are one body. So we are in Christ. Verse 18, but now God has arranged the parts, each one of them in the body, just as he desires. God has placed us. God has designed us. It pleases God to make us come from the tribe we come from. Hallelujah. But when we get to church, we are all what? One. No matter your race, no matter your tribe, no matter the nation you come from, we are what? One. We are family. And we need to connect together. And not only that, unity, number three, unity. The unity of the church is important because Paul asked to beg them and said, I now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is first Corinthians chapter one, verse 10. Paul was begging them to be joined together, that let there be no division amongst us. That's what you will see in an extraordinary family. Have you seen them in natural family where that family looks united and you are saying, gosh, I wish I'm that part of that family. We need harmonious relationship amongst ourselves. Fourthly, we have to be spiritually matured members. And this was what really broke Paul's heart. He said they were acting like spiritually immature people. And that's why the craziness, the shenanigans was going on. Because when we are spiritually mature, we display the fruit of the spirit. Hallelujah. When we are spiritually mature, we don't act disrespectfully or disgracefully. When we are spiritually mature, we apply the Bible. Many of us know the Bible, this church in Corinth, the Bible says they were, re they were enriched and full of speech and knowledge. They knew all these things, but the problem they had, they were not applying it. You know what breaks my heart is that you hear a sermon about love. And before you walk out of the church building, you see people displaying non-love attitude to one another. And that is the challenge for us. I judge not that we come to the place of saying, you know what? I want to embrace this thing. I want to embrace this message I'm hearing. The danger is that when we try, we say, oh, we are family, we are family. It becomes a cliche, but let it be real in our lives. And finally, focus on Christ. You see, when people are focused on Christ, they don't worry about what God is doing in other people's lives. They celebrate other people's lives. When people are focused on Christ, they're not thinking about any leader. That's why Paul said to them, this is Christ divided? Did Paul die for you? Hallelujah. Christ died for us. When we are focused on Christ, we leave all this rubbish behind us. 
So we want to become an extraordinary church family. What are the benefits if we do those things? That one, there is love, there is unity. We're spiritually mature. We focus on Christ. What are the things that we will gain? What are the things that we will benefit from as a family? One, we will experience genuine love. We give love and we receive love. Just imagine when you experience God's love and people come, they surround you and friends and families connected to you, you can say, wow, you guys love each other in your church. Hallelujah. When they are there for you, this is an attribute that we need to start displaying. Love one another. Two, we have to be united. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25. So that there may be no division in the body, that the parts may have the same care for one another. The parts, we are the parts of the body. We must have what? The same care for one another. And if one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffers with it. That's scripture. We must do everything we can through the grace God has given to us to uphold the unity of the church, unity of the body of Christ. Because Jesus Christ himself said, a house divided can never stand. And I've come to understand, even in natural family, that the enemy will always attack the unity of the family. He's always looking for the weakest chain in the link to use to cause disunity. But today, by God's grace, you and I we will strive to what? To uphold the unity of the church. This one I like. Growth of the family members. People don't understand that when you have a family that functions properly, growth happens. Now, how many of you parents have been to parents' teachers' evening? Normally, you think you are there to find an update on the performance of the children. But also, I've got to find this out from teachers, that they're also checking you out as parents. They want to know whether that child is growing up in a conducive home, in a home that they can develop properly and grow. And they are making notes in their mind. Likewise, in the body of Christ, to be an extraordinary church, one of the things we will benefit is that we will grow together. And this is something Paul also shared with the church in Ephesus. He said, Ephesians 4.15, he said, we will speak truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And each part does its own special work. It helps other parts, hallelujah, to grow. If each part does their work properly, it helps what? The old body to do what? To grow. And listen to the strap line. So that the old body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that the old body is what? Healthy and doing what? Growing and full of love. So, when we have a functional church family, when we are extraordinary, we grow. Now I've come to say this, my growth, spiritual growth depends on you. You have a role, a part to play in my spiritual development. And I think I have a role and a part to play in your spiritual development. Next, I like this one, body care. He said, let there be no division so that everybody will receive the same care. Let's genuinely care for one another. 
there are people who need care amongst us. We've got the We Care ministry. Let's care for people. Let's genuinely care for them. Let them know that we are there for them. Let them know that we are there to support them in their hours of need. Let's show genuine care. So, benefits, love, united, growth, and care. I think all of us need them. So, let me come to the, let me start to bring it to an end now. We are family. Let us be an extraordinary family. I believe that God has blessed us. I've provided everything we need. He said, God has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. It is achievable. Because one of the things I always ask myself when I see an expectation, I would say, is it possible to meet this expectation? And I believe by the grace of God, by the teachings that we will hear and continue to hear on this subject, we can come to a place of saying, in the All Nation Center, we are an extraordinary church. We're not just an ordinary church family. We are an extraordinary church family. So the onus is on us to do that. May it never be said concerning our church family that we are ordinary church family, that we are a family of cliques and division. We are divided. May it never be said in Jesus' name. May it never be said that we are contentious family. You know, some family, you know them. They are warlike. They, they just fight. Once a week, they must fight everybody in the estate. Uh, do you know those kind of family? They just have to look for something to fight. I've, been, I, I, I've lived in an estate, so I know what I'm talking about. They just like fighting. May that never be said of us. May it never be said that, oh, those people, they're dysfunctional. No, we reject that in Jesus' name. But then one question you've not asked me since I started talking about this extraordinary family. What is an extraordinary church family. I purposely left that behind because if I've defined it in the beginning, it may have slipped off. It means to be, to have, I like this, to have and display extremely good, exceptional, remarkable, and spiritual qualities. So that's the church we're talking about, that we are a church that are displaying remarkable qualities. That when people see us, they say, yes, I'd like to be part of that family. I'll tell you a story. Um, we took some young people to Greece, a lot of them. And then we got to the place in Thessalonica. All of a sudden, when the proprietor of the hotel saw how much we were, he came to me and Pastor Victor, because we were the youth leaders then that took them. He said, oh, by the way, I'm going to increase the fee. And by the way, just to let you know, you cannot find any other place for a crowd as yours. So we're in a trouble. So we prayed. We said, let's eat the street. So we started going around and I came to this guy. I said to him, hello, how are you, sir? Please, we need help. And the guy said, where are you from? I said, oh, we're from England. He said, oh, do you want the Premier League? I said, yeah. What team do you support? I said, Manchester United. He said, guess what? I'm a big fan too. So what's your problem? And we told him our problem. He didn't have rooms. He now phoned somebody. I said, get them this. And we got a better place. All because of what? Manchester United. See our people in the world. No, no, it's not funny. See our people in the world function. See that connection. Because of a football club. He has never met me before. He sorted us out. 
And even the people we took were saying, why did you get this place earlier? We didn't let them know that they were about to eject us into the street. But I thank God. If people in the world can understand connection, people belong to clubs. And when there are parties, they come to support their club members. And we are Christians. We need to display remarkable qualities. Hallelujah. Like when people step in, when visitors come, they will say, what a church family. Please, can I be part of your family? Uh, for me, there was somebody I met. I said, can I be part of your family? Not that I was rejecting my own family, but I just love that family. I said, please, can I be a bona fide member? To simply put it, guys, an extraordinary church is a spiritual church. Forget the fancy word, extraordinary. It's just being spiritual. Imagine when we start to display spiritual qualities in this place. Growth will take place. We will not be begging people to love. We will not be begging people to care. Things will just flow naturally. So, let it be said of us, hallelujah, that we are an extraordinary church because we genuinely love one another. We are united. Nobody will come and separate us. Even the enemy, we dare not. We have a family mindset. So today, when you're going out, when you're shaking members, look at them and say, that's my family. When you are praying, just remember them in prayers. Stand in the gap for them. When you are fasting, start to pray for them because what? That brother, that sister, it's my family. When things are going wrong with them, you stand with them. You don't laugh. You don't celebrate. You don't say they're they are suffering from the judgment of God. No. You stand with them. But more importantly, we focus on Christ because what we are spiritual members. So, this is my final question to us as I go and take my seat. What do we need to do to make our church family extraordinary? You know, you've heard me in the few minutes I've had to share with you what it means to be an extraordinary church family. Please close your eyes. Check out your own life. Examine yourself right now. And ask yourself, what can I do to make our church family an extraordinary one? Maybe for some of us, we need to love more. Ask God for grace to love. Maybe for some of us, we need to show more respect to the members of the family. If that's what God needs to do in your life, pray it right now. Maybe for some of us, we need to be more forgiving. People have hurt us. They may have said things to us. They may have done things to us. You've suffered wrong. And please, I'm not minimizing what you've suffered from the hands of people. Suffered from doing God's work. It's even more painful. But I want to pray for you today that you will know the grace to let go. We've been talking about healing. Pastor, look, could they come? He came and mentioned healing. Elder Serge, he mentioned healing. But internal healing, emotional healing from hurt, I pray will be your portion right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that for some of us, we will come to that understanding of knowing that we are families. Bought by the same blood. Bought by the same blood. And more importantly, we will what? promote unity so pray for yourself in jesus name pray for yourself and i pray that will we be 
and the extraordinary church family. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word. We are the Apostolic Church All Nation Center in Kennington, London. Find us at Tyus Terrace, Kennington, London, SE11 5LY. Our telephone number is 0207 9917 On the web, we are at www.apostolic-anc.org. All Nation Center, reaching out to you in practical and caring ways.